0: Welcome to the Whole You Podcast, where we believe you can grow your business and prioritize your family at the same time. I'm your host, Gina Shade, a mom of almost Irish twin boys who built two separate businesses from the ground up. I have 10 plus years of entrepreneurial experience, and while I love being my own boss, I've also found it has some challenges. Do these questions sound familiar? How do I create healthy boundaries around work and home life? How do I prioritize my family while still running a successful business? How do I get time back so I can do more of what I love? Join my guests and I as we explore these topics and more. Learn how to buck the hustle culture and find freedom, fulfillment, and joy in all aspects of your life. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the Whole You Podcast. Today, I'm going to share with you my personal nutritional journey, how it has evolved over the years and my current philosophy. I thought this conversation would be helpful as part of our mission here is to help women build their business or career while simultaneously prioritizing their family. For many of us, an aspect of prioritizing our family includes raising healthy kids in body, mind, and spirit, and nutrition plays a key role in that. Plus, having a nutrient-dense diet and healthy relationship with food allows you to fuel yourself for the demands of your day, I do want to share a disclaimer before we dive in. These are my opinions only. I am not a doctor, nutritionist, or dietitian, and encourage you to seek personalized health advice from medical professionals. We will be talking about disordered eating, so if that is a trigger for you, this may not be the best episode. Feel free to pause and check out one of my other episodes. What I will share today is what works for me and my family. At this stage of our life, we do not have illnesses, diseases, or other extending circumstances that would require a specific food lifestyle or diet. With that being said, let's get into it. About 15 years ago, I struggled with an eating disorder. I won't go into all of the details, but in a very broad sense, I was under eating and over exercising my body. I was very controlling with food and had unnatural fear around food consumption. Although I'm well past that, It's hard and uncomfortable for me to talk about that part of my life because one, I do feel embarrassment and shame about it, and two, I don't want people to associate that with who I am now, but I do think my past extremism with food plays a big role in my current mindset and approach to food and nutrition now. I did share some of my journey to becoming a health coach in episode one, but my eating disorder was part of the reason why I wanted to become a certified health coach. I wanted to continue to find peace with my own plate and be able to help other women do the same. One of the things that I realized as I began actively health coaching other women that I was not alone in some of my past irrational behaviors and fears around food. Unfortunately, our world has a very strong diet culture that tells us we will only be worthy when we reach a certain number on the scale, fit into a certain gene size, or can follow a quote-unquote diet without falling off the wagon. But here's the unsexy thing about food and nutrition. There's no one-size-fits-all solution. Each person is a unique individual with highly individualized nutritional requirements. There is no perfect diet, guys. But that does not sell diet programs. So we're made to think that we need to fit into certain diet molds, and if we don't, that something is wrong with us, we don't have the willpower it takes, or were a failure. I literally could go on about that topic, but I will step off that soapbox and continue on with my personal journey. So as the years went on, I was no longer under-eating and over-exercising my body, but some of my type A personality and Enneagram 3 traits presented themselves in my food lifestyle in other ways. The more I worked on creating wellness programs for clients and immersing myself in nutrition books and classes, the more controlling I became around the quality and contents of my own diet. I spent time obsessing about only eating the highest quality forms of any type of food and trying to biohack the air quotes best way of eating for myself and clients. I don't think I fully realized this was going on at the time, but looking back, I can see it and the mental toll it took on me. This is such a delicate dance because while, yes, maybe I was eating a super high quality diet that was good for my body, it was also creating a sense of stress and anxiety that was not good for me mentally. I spent a lot of mental energy on this, which in turn took away from the overall sense of peace and well-being across my life as a whole. What I have come to realize for myself is that having mental peace around food is more beneficial for my overall health than only eating the highest quality of food or a certain air quotes diet 100% of the time. So as I think about what I consider a healthy diet now, I don't just think about the physiological aspects of health, but rather an integration of physiological and mental health. You should not have to sacrifice mental health for physiological health, and I really do believe there is a way to have both. Eating healthy for myself and providing healthy options for my kids is important to me, and I will share some guidelines for that here in a minute, but what is more important to me right now in this stage of my life is integrating food into our lives in a way that brings our family and friends around the table together. I'd much rather eat a meal that's quote-unquote less healthy and enjoy it together with my kids or my family or friends than be eating separate meals from my family, stressing about what's the best option, and so on. I grew up Italian, and in our family, food is love. I've always felt that, but I've never felt it more strongly now than I'm a, that I'm a mom. And I really want to be the example of this for my kids. Some examples of love through food is grilling out with friends, a sweet treat on your birthday, dropping off soup for someone when they're in sorrow, swapping stories around the dinged up kitchen table, it's an ice cream on a hot summer day, popcorn while you're snuggled under the blanket and watching a movie, a hot dog at the ballpark. You get the idea, right? And in these moments, it is not the nutrition content behind the food that matters. It is the heart. And while yes, I still want to make good choices for myself and my family and help you do the same, what I feel even more deeply about is helping you use food as a tool for meaningful time with the people you love. It's about helping you find the balance between feeding yourself and your family healthy without creating mental health, mental excuse me, mental stress and anxiety. It's about encouraging you to focus on progress, not perfection. You do not have to do things perfectly to have good health or to raise vibrant kids. If your kids are like mine and love fruit snacks and Cheetos, they're likely going to turn out okay, just like we did. I want to encourage you to do your best and to not feel shame or like you're not measuring up when you fall short or have off days because, girl, we all have off days. The fact that you're trying means that you're already succeeding. So the question then becomes, how do we actually do this? How do you feed your family healthy in a way that allows for grace, mistakes, wiggle room, and imperfection? I really feel like it's been part of my life work to figure this out, to find a way of eating that encourages nutrient-dense food to be consumed without having to pigeonhole yourself into a cultural diet, battle an all-or-nothing way of eating, or forgoing the finer culinary things in life. You know, like red wine and brownies and ice cream. Those are my personal faves anyways. I have coined this way of life, the 90-10 life, and it's exactly what my 90-10 life cookbook is based on. The 90-10 life is not a set calculation. It's more of a mindset. It's a focus on eating nutrient-dense foods 90% or most of the time and leaving a little wiggle room for the 10%. Now, full transparency, before kids, I really tried to live out the 90-10. Now it's a little more like 80-20 for me. And let's be real, sometimes it's like 70-30 or 60-40, but the intention is still there. The idea behind the 90-10 life is that you try to make good choices most of the time, but also have that wiggle room of grace for yourself when you want to enjoy a treat, a healthy choice isn't an option, or your kids just won't eat the damn veggies. This is truly the framework I try to, to personally work from and teach my kids. When I wrote my cookbook, I created a set of 90/10 life principles that are guideposts to help you live out this lifestyle. The principles are both tactical and mindset based. I do recognize it as helpful to have guidelines on how you choose foods that fall into the 90%. However, Know that these are just guidelines, and if you ever begin to feel stress or anxiety when trying to implement one or some of them, I think it's worth a pause to reset your mindset and or maybe seek outside advice. I'm going to do a quick overview of these principles, but if you want the full details, you can get them through my 9010 Life Cookbook available on Amazon and or you can learn more on my website. So let's do a quick run through. Number one is to eat real, whole foods when possible. These are foods that are produced in nature and have not been refined or processed. What I think is so cool is that when you eat foods in their whole, original form, the inherent nutrients work together to provide a platform of health. Nature does not make mistakes. So some examples of these types of real, whole foods are vegetables, fruits, nuts, seeds, whole grains, things like that. While serving and encouraging my kids to eat these types of foods, we talk a lot about how they will give them energy to run around, how they will power their brain, how they will fill their belly, and so on. I think it's so important to explain to kids why we put certain foods on our plate rather than simply saying a food is good or bad. I try to be really cautious not to charge food in our home with a good or bad label. I really think that adds to the problem of diet culture in our country. And truly, no food is off limits in our home. You'll find candy, cookie, chips, and more in our pantry. But we do have the conversation about why these foods make up a smaller portion of our food lifestyle rather than being on unlimited supply. So number two is pay attention to quality. I do recommend purchasing organic food when possible. Among other things, the organic certification prohibits the use of specific harmful herbicides and pesticides. The human body is not designed to consume chemicals that are made to kill small animals and weeds, and a lot of conventional farmers spray these chemicals because they're trying to get the highest yield out of their crop. Obviously, this makes sense for the farmer, but it's not necessarily the best for human health. So looking for the organic certification is an easy way to weed out some of these harmful chemicals. I do want to make a note that the organic certification is expensive and there are some farmers who use organic methods but have chosen not to pay to become certified. This is my encouragement to you to get out to your local farmer's market and meet the farmers in your community and talk to them about their farming methods. I promise you someone who is out at a farmer's market stand is usually very passionate about their food and talking about how it's grown. I also realize that organic food is more expensive and may not be realistic for everyone, especially with the rising cost in food as of lately. But don't stress, if if organic is not possible, you really can work to prioritize which which foods you buy organic and which you don't. Not all fruits and vegetables bear the same toxin load. Some are higher than others. When it comes to figuring out how to prioritize these, I recommend looking up the EWG Dirty Dozen and Clean 15 list. The Dirty Dozen is a collection of fruits and vegetables shown to have the highest level of residual pesticides and herbicides on them. And the Clean 15 is a list of fruits and vegetables shown to have the lowest levels of residual pesticides. So prioritize the Dirty Dozen organic and then opt conventional for the Clean 15. I also always recommend washing fruits and vegetables before consumption. This also helps to remove residual chemicals that have been sprayed. When it comes to meat, seafood, and dairy, the most nutrient-dense forms comes from animals raised in their natural environments. So you can look for words like pasture-raised, grass-fed, and wild-caught. But honestly, if this section on quality feels overwhelming to you, just stop right here go back to eat real whole foods and don't overcomplicate things. It's definitely okay to take baby steps. So number three is to eliminate scary ingredients. Scary ingredients are ingredients that do not beneficially serve your body and have the potential to harm you. These ingredients are manufactured and do not exist in nature. They are generally added to a product during processing and include preservatives, flavor additives, artificial food dyes, artificial sugars, trans fats, and conventional vegetable oils. An easy rule of thumb is if you cook with it in your own kitchen, it passes, and if not, skip it. In my cookbook, there are specific prompts that will help you pick out and eliminate these scary ingredients. And these principles really do work together because think about it. If you're eating more real whole foods, then you're gonna naturally eliminate some of these scary ingredients that are found in processed foods. Number four is break up with sugar. Sugar contributes to the development of multiple chronic conditions, including obesity, type 2 diabetes, and heart disease. The American Heart Association recommends no more than six to nine teaspoons, which is 25 to 38 grams of added sugar per day. Added sugar is sugar that has been added to food during processing, and this is very different from natural sugar, which is inherently found in a whole food. Many Americans are consuming well beyond the recommended limit for added sugar per day, and interestingly enough, It lights up the same receptors in the brain like drugs like cocaine and heroin do. So it is no wonder we can so easily become addicted to it. And it's also no wonder that you can definitely see a change in your kids after they consume it. Added sugar can be found in yogurt, condiments, sauces, cereals, granola bars, and much more. A good place to start is by checking sugar content of the foods you're eating by reading the ingredient label. I understand your 10% may include added sugar. I mean, mine sure does, but working to reduce it in your 90% can yield health benefits over time. In my cookbook, I do have a list of names that sugar hides under in ingredient labels, which I think you'll find super helpful. Number five is give yourself grace and let yourself be a beginner. Learning to cook new meals Selecting new grocery products and creating a healthy food lifestyle and mindset is a continual journey. If you make a mistake, buy the wrong ingredient, burn a meal, give yourself Grace Girl instead of beating yourself up or throwing in the towel. Everything worthwhile takes time, and the only way to learn is by experience. Number six is make friends with food. As we've talked about, diet culture doesn't always have the best impact on people. Not all, but many people have a negative association with food. In general, they think food will make them gain weight, they try to restrict calories to an all-time low, reduce portions, eliminate macronutrients, take weight loss supplements, and more. While this may be necessary for certain subsets of people, this does not generally result in a healthy body, mind, and spirit. Food is your friend. Food is to the body like gases to a car. You need it to run. Think less about the calories and more about the quality. And number seven is trust your body. Your body knows what it needs best. Give yourself extra nourishment on days you feel hungry. Rest your body on days you are tired. Exercise on days you are craving movement. And spend time with friends when you desire community. You will have more joy and peace in your life when you listen to your body. So just to do a quick recap of the principles... Eat real whole foods, pay attention to quality, eliminate scary ingredients, break up with sugar, give yourself grace, make friends with food, and trust your body. So friends, hear me when I say, finding a nutritional lifestyle that works for you is an ongoing journey. I hope that you found my own journey and philosophy helpful, and maybe you can take a tip or two that resonated with you most and implement it. But either way, I hope that you see food as something that can not only nourish your body, but that can bring you together with your loved ones around the table in joy. As always, thank you for tuning in to today's episode. I'm so glad you were here. See you next time. Quick question before you go. Have you been in a rut with your skincare routine? I'm offering podcast listeners a complimentary discovery session where we'll talk through your skin type, concerns, and a list of potential great fit, clean beauty products. As a certified health coach and a mom, when it comes to my skincare and makeup routine, I not only seek out safer products, but ones that actually work. That's why I love Beauty Counter. Simply use the link in the episode's description to book your complimentary consult today.